Blue Wire. With the first pick in the 2009 NFL Draft, the Detroit Lions select Matthew Stafford. Quarterback. Stafford, step it up. Going left side. Watch Calvin. And so got him. Oh, baby, that was a rocket. And it's picked off. Intercepted by Darius Slade. No one will catch him. Touchdown, Lions. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Michael Rothstein Show. And it's over. Close the book. Close the laptop. Close everything on the 2020, slightly into 2021 season. The Lions are done 5-11. and 11, And now on to the offseason, which is probably going to be way more exciting than anything that happened on Sunday or really anything that's happened over the last couple of seasons for the Detroit Lions. Detroit officially, just to get some of this stuff out of the way, they will be picking as I'm recording this while the Washington and Philly game is going on. So if Washington wins, the Lions will be picking seventh in the NFL draft. If Washington loses and if Philly wins, the Lions will be picking sixth in the NFL draft. So they won't necessarily get back-to-back top five picks, but they will get back-to-back-to-back top ten picks. Again, this is not really something you want to be proud of if you are the Lions because, frankly, I mean, that means you're just not winning. It's not like they did what Miami did, which they're getting the number three overall pick from Houston because of a trade. Like, that that, that didn't happen. This is all off of their own failure. This also closes the book, ends a whole bunch of everything on the Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia era. That officially ended today, even though, obviously, those guys were fired two days after Thanksgiving And this wouldn't be necessarily attributed to them over the last month. All of this that happened over the last month was done by a roster of their making, schemes of their doing, and coaching of their coaching and general managing of their general managing. So you can finally shut the door on that as when you're listening to this today, it starts the beginning of... The process. Now, it's a process, at least for general manager and a little bit for head coach, that has already started. As we know, the Lions have interviewed at least seven candidates for general manager. More are expected to come this week as teams from as candidates from teams that are in the NFL or on teams that are in the NFL rather can start interviewing this week. Same with head coaches as the only head coach that supposedly is interviewed so far the Lions have not confirmed this yet but multiple people have reported it is Marvin Lewis the former Cincinnati Bengals coach and Arizona State defensive coordinator interviewed for the job to me that's somebody that you do want to talk to he was very successful in a place that largely did not have much success and say what you will about what Marvin Lewis has done and if you remember back when we broke down candidates to begin with he was a guy that I said low-key to pay attention to Marvin Lewis was successful he may not have gotten to a Super Bowl they may have struggled getting to win a playoff game 
But Marvin Lewis was a successful head coach. Let's be honest. He won games. And that is not a bad thing. When you look at his overall record, he coached in a place for 16 years. And sure, Cincinnati is a weird and different place when it comes to that. But still, you don't coach 16 years at one spot in the NFL if you're not doing something right. He had 10 win seasons six times in those 16 years. The Lions would kill for that. They were 500 or better in each of his first four seasons. They had two seasons then of under 500 in 07 and 08. Then they went 10 and 6 in 09, 4 and 12 in 2010. Then after that, 9 and 7, 10 and 6, 11 and 5, 10 and 5, 10, 5 and 1, sorry, 12 and 4 up through the 2015 season. They were rolling. They couldn't win in the playoffs. They didn't win a playoff game that whole time, but they were rolling in the playoffs. The last three years did not go well for Marvin Lewis, 6-9-1, and 7-9, and 6-10, which eventually led to his undoing with the Bengals. And if you remember in 2017, one of those seven wins came against the Detroit Lions, effectively ending the tenure of Jim Caldwell because the Lions were kind of still hanging around the playoff race there on Christmas Eve in Cincinnati, but they played a stinker of a game and ended up losing, and that was essentially the end of that for the Lions that season and for Jim Caldwell, which brought everybody Matt Patricia. So what should you take from all of this? And and we'll get to the game, which didn't have a ton of meaning by any stretch of the imagination. We're going to get to Matthew Stafford as well in the second part of this show. But let's start here, which is when you're looking at a guy like Marvin Lewis, this is a guy you want to talk to because he has experience. He can, at the very least, even if you don't hire him, give you a real idea of what maybe you want to look for in a head coach because he's done it, he's been successful. And I've said it on a couple of shows, you want to avoid retreads who haven't been successful in their first spot. So a guy like a Josh McDaniels would be a very concerning hire to me. It doesn't seem like the Lions are heading in that potential retread direction as a head coach except for maybe Marvin Lewis. But again, Marvin Lewis, successful. In his first stop, so that is a good thing. If anything, it seems like they're maybe heading toward the successful or you know experienced route with general managers and then hiring whoever they want to as a head coach. We'll see how all of this plays out over the next couple of weeks, of course. But you've got guys like Thomas Dimitrov, who I think is a very quality, experienced candidate. NFL Network reported that The Lions are going to make a run at John Schneider, the current Seattle general manager, which, I mean, if you're able to get him, like, you run and you take him. Like, if he wants to come, you hire him. You pay him whatever he wants because he knows how to build. He knows how to trade. He's done it in the modern NFL. He has a ton of experience. He's well-connected around the league with head coaches. He's seen on an intimate level what it takes to be successful and worked in tandem with a guy in Pete Carroll who Pete Carroll holds final personnel control, which when you're sitting there and saying, well, why would John Schneider leave Seattle to go to Detroit? Like, And the answer there is you know, personnel control. And if the Lions are willing to give him personnel control over, say, a first-time head coach who doesn't have that much experience, like, I don't know, maybe a Robert Sala, who did at one point work in Seattle, maybe, just maybe, 
that's one place that you can look. Or and there will be other potential options too. But to me, if you're if he's able to get power or more final say over personnel, that to me would be a reason to potentially leave if that's what you want. But you know, who knows? I still think it's probably a long shot that they would be able to get John Schneider. He talked. John Schneider talked about it a little bit today on the radio and to me his answer did not give me any indication that he would be interested in the job it didn't out completely rule it out but I I was not sold after hearing that answer when he was asked about it of course right now it's probably not good for him to say it if I think if that if that scenario happens that's going to be one of those out of nowhere you hear nothing you hear nothing and then boom it happens type of thing Versus you hear the buzz, you hear the buzz. Like, I think you might have heard this initial buzz and then it'll be silent until it happens, if it does happen. The other name that's been linked, that's thrown out there in the last days, Jason Jason Lockham 4 from CBS reported the Lions have interest in Kevin Colbert, but he expects Kevin Colbert to stay put. I would imagine Kevin Colbert would stay put as well. Obviously, he's extremely well-respected within the Lions, within the Lions organization, he worked there before he was hired by the Steelers. But obviously, with what he's done for the Steelers from 2000 on, so for the past 20 years as their director of football ops, then their general manager, and now their vice president slash general manager, like he's he's put it together. He's built a program. He's he knows how to hire head coaches. He knows how to drafts like he he would be if he were somehow interested like he should be your top candidate and if he says yes good did all the other interviews that's really nice of you thanks for coming he's your guy uh you know he's sick granted he's you know 63 64 years old so he's not going to maybe be your gm forever but if he's able to pick somebody to kind of mold to be his potential replacement as long as things go well then you're in a good spot if you are the lions but again I have a tough, tough time seeing Kevin Colbert, even though he did work for the Lions as their pro scouting director for a decade. And frankly, who knows, may have ended up being their general manager one day had not everybody not been swept out when they hired Matt Millen. Maybe just maybe he ends up, you know, as their GM and who knows what's different. Maybe he's successful. Detroit, maybe he's not. But that's another name that's been thrown out there. Now, understand, too, that really you're going to hear a lot of names for head coach, for general manager. You've been hearing them over the last few weeks. You're going to continue to hear them probably over the next few days until things start to really, really shake out and really kind of start to to focus in. And that will be super interesting, I think, as things go where they go, where they don't. The Lions have been pretty good about announcing general manager and head coaching candidate, at least general manager coaching candidates, general manager candidates, not general manager coaching candidates. So far, this cycle is expected that we'll hear from somebody in kind of the decision-making process this week as they kind of get started again. And things will go from there. I don't know. I don't expect this to get wrapped up in a couple of days. I've been getting that question a lot. I think they're going to be very thorough. To me, I think they're more further ahead in the general manager area than the head coach area because they've just been able to interview more general manager candidates. Maybe that means they hire the GM first. But if they hire the coach first, 
you know, I don't have a problem with that either, as depend on depending on kind of what their power structure would be and how they want to handle that structure. So to me, I think there's a whole bunch of interesting things that could happen. This is really where it gets super, super exciting, right? If you're the Lions and you're trading on hope. And, and as we know from earlier episodes, from the Ted Lasso episode, you know, it's the hope that kills you. But beyond that, we just know from watching the Lions over and over again that hope is really what gets you through if you are a Detroit Lions fan. We've talked about that a lot, hope and joy. And this is, again, where now that this season is over, you can start to have hope again that maybe, just maybe, the Lions will get it right. And I think I've talked about this. I've definitely tweeted about it three years ago, right before the Lions hired Matt Patricia, when there was a lot of hope in this city. I went to Buffalo, Cleveland, and and Detroit in three straight days because, obviously, the, those three places – known for a lot of football misery, all Rust Belt, you know, industrial cities. And they all had the kind of their theme was just what's it like in each of those three cities. And I went to Detroit just on a random Friday. I went to Cleveland on the Saturday of the 0-16 parade. And I went to Buffalo when they were having their first playoff game since 1999. Uh, it was on the road, so I went to a bar in Buffalo. And... It was a really interesting trip because you saw a place in Detroit where there was massive hope that they finally got it right with Patricia and Quinn. There was a place in Cleveland that was where the Lions were after 08, except they were having a a parade slash protest about it. And then you had Buffalo, which thought for once they maybe finally had something. And look where they are three years later. Buffalo won a division title, and I mean, man, I... The AFC is going to be an awesome playoff, you know, awesome three weeks of playoffs. But the Bills look really, really diff- like they're going to be a really hard out. The Browns made the playoffs for the first time in forever. And the Lions are basically where they were again, looking for a new head coach. But not only that, now looking for a new general manager and also possibly on the precipice of a rebuild. And we're going to get into some of that here after the break. We'll get into a little bit of what Matthew Stafford said. We'll get into 2021 opponents because those, other than maybe one if they expand to 17 games, are well known at this point. Right here, right after the break. Hey everyone, before we get into today's pod, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com slash join. 
Welcome back, and thanks for sticking with us. So, where were we? Basically, yeah. As far as this actual game goes, not a lot that anyone can truly, truly take from it. Matthew Stafford played. He played quite well, as he usually has done really over the last four weeks of the year. Matthew Stafford... 20 of 31, 293 yards, three touchdowns, an interception, and a sack. Team was often playing from behind all game, or at least the majority of the game. Didn't get a ton of help, ton of help from DeAndre Swift, but the run game overall got good yardage. 22 carries, 129 yards, a couple touchdowns, one from Peterson, one from Swift. And the offense looked good. They, you know, kept moving the ball. They kept scoring. They kept pace with the Vikings. It was just the same old story. The defense couldn't stop anybody. They let Kirk Cousins throw for 405 yards. They set franchise records for most points allowed in the season, 519, which is the second most in NFL history. They set records for yardage allowed, most in franchise history, and the fourth most, I believe, I have to go check what Jacksonville and Houston did. but this, So now they sit this season anywhere between the fourth and sixth worst all-time yardages allowed in league history. This defense was atrocious. It showed exactly what the problem was. And this gets into Matthew Stafford. And we don't know if this was the last you've seen of Matthew Stafford playing for the Detroit Lions. Matthew Stafford deflected all questions about his future after the game, said that he needs to go sit with his wife and his family, chill out for a bit. They're going to talk about stuff. He is under contract for two more years, so pretty much the way this would go down would be one of two ways. Either Stafford would decide he doesn't want to go through another rebuild if that's what it looks like is going to happen, and he will ask for a trade. Because they're not going to release him. So he would have to ask for a trade or permission to seek a trade. Or the Lions would say, you know what? We are rebuilding. We think we can get assets for you. We're going to move on from you. Otherwise, Matthew Stafford will be back in 2021. And if you asked me right now on January 3rd, 2021, around 930 at night, what I think would happen, I would tell you I think Matthew Stafford ends up being a lion in 2021, but I I'm not sold on that. I'm not convinced on it. I wouldn't wager any sort of significant money on that because I think there's a lot that can change and a lot's going to depend on who they hire as a general manager, who they hire as a head coach, how big of a rebuild those two people decide this might be and what they can get for Stafford. And frankly, now sitting at either pick six or pick seven, do they think they can get a quarterback in the first round? Or is there a younger guy that they maybe want to get? Like, I don't know. See if you can trade a mid-round pick for Sam Darnold. Uh, if you think you can re whoever the new head coach is, if they think that they can rehab Sam Darnold and turn him into a winner. Uh, that's one guy that you could potentially look at. I think that there are, are many options that the Lions can at least consider. Because, listen... Let's be honest, there are guys who might end up being like Ryan Tannehill out there. Ryan Tannehill was not doing great in Miami, goes to Tennessee now, and look at what he's doing. He's been, frankly, 
quite impressive, obviously, with the Titans. You saw what he did to the Lions a couple of weeks ago. And I think there could be other options. Carson Wentz would be another potential option. Now, you'd be trading for potentially a massive contract there, and I don't know if the Lions would want to take that on. I think you'd rather find a mid-range bridge. But that's what you're doing, either finding a mid-range bridge who's a vet or maybe if you're really going into, you know what, we're not planning on competing too heavily this year. You have Chase Daniel as your guy and you're drafting a quarterback. But again, at six or seven, I don't know if you're going to get the guy you want, depending who you want, because it ain't going to be Trevor Lawrence. I don't think it'll be Justin Fields. Maybe you get Zach Wilson if you really want Zach Wilson. But there's a chance with Atlanta picking in front of you that you're not going to get him. There's an absolute chance that that happens. So if you're the Lions, you have to figure out what that is and what that looks like and make your decisions accordingly. Or do you think like, well, you know, you kind of roll with it and, and see what happens. I don't know what the answer to that question is. I think that the answer will start to shake itself out in a couple of weeks. But if this was Matthew Stafford's last game with the Detroit Lions, I can't think of a way for him to go out that would be more Matthew Stafford-like. Playing with multiple injuries, which he basically kind of shrugged off after the game, saying, eh, a lot of people are dealing with stuff. But, you know... Plays really, really well. 20 of 31, like I said, 293, three touchdowns, an interception, some really beautiful passes, a couple that really could have been picked off that weren't, one obviously that was, but basically had to be almost perfect, almost incredibly spot on to even keep his team in the game and getting no help from his defense. That is, if they didn't have a run game, which they, they did here, on Sunday, as you know, Peterson gave him seven carries for 63, Swift 12 for 54. So he had a little bit more of a run game, but if he didn't have a run game, which has happened at points this season, it would have been the exact like arc of Matthew Stafford's career. But Matthew Stafford is a tough guy. He had no reason to play in this game. None. He could have very easily said, you know what, I'm beat up, I'm injured. Uh, I'll pack this up for next season. If I'm here, great. If I'm somewhere else, so be it. Like, I'm done. I I can't put myself out there. But he didn't do that. He went out there. He played. You can argue whether or not that was smart or not. I've made my stance pretty clear that I would have sat him just because I didn't want him to risk further injury, especially with a line that was a little bit suspect, frankly, the past couple of weeks, but Frank Ragnow came back. He made a big difference. Again, Stafford only sacked once. That's that's pretty good. And he had a really good connection with Marvin Jones. And, that, you know, this might be almost definitely the last time you see Stafford to Jones because I have to believe Marvin Jones is going to get some really good offers in free agency, more than the Lions might be willing to pay, especially if they are going into a rebuild. If for whatever, whoever they, whatever reason, whoever they hire decides that this is not a rebuild situation or they think that they can, you know, scratch by and fix part of the defense and re-signs part of the offense, then maybe they try and keep Marvin Jones. But Marvin Jones showed why somebody is going to pay him and pay him a lot of money still, even though he's over 30. 11 targets, 8 catches, 180 yards, 2 touchdowns. Frankly, should have been 3 touchdowns, but... 
there was a weird wonky call from the referee, and the referees did not have a good day. You, if you've listened to this podcast at all, you know I just don't buy into the referee argument. But the referees did not have a good day on Sunday. And Marvin Jones was spectacular. I mean, absolutely, completely spectacular if this was his finale in Detroit. And he's been playing this like this really the last four weeks with Matthew Stafford as well. And, and this is what I always call good Marvin Jones. There's some bad Marvin Jones out there, as we know. And we've seen, but this was good Marvin Jones. I mean, good Marvin Jones shows up. Good Marvin Jones is a game changer, as he was against the Vikings. He also loves playing against the Vikings. Remember last year, he had a four-touchdown game in Ford Field against Minnesota on less than 100 yards receiving, which was wild. Um, And frankly, had things gone a little bit differently, he might have been able to have a four-touchdown game today uh, or Sunday as well. Like, he... He really plays well against the Vikings, but beyond all of that, he's got some skills still, and I, I think he played well, and, you know, he he was just sharp all game long, and he didn't quite get to 1,000 yards this year, which, you know, was probably going to be a little bit tricky for him because he was, you know, he just had too many games where it just wasn't, it wasn't happening for him. But he may, I mean, look at it this way. Three of his last five games, he went over 110 yards receiving. Like, that's how good he's been. He'll be end up being just short, by the way, of his second 1,000-yard season in Detroit because he had 798 yards coming into the game. And as I mentioned, he had 180 yards in this game. So he'll end up coming about... What, 38 yards short? Is that right? Something like that? I think the math is right there. Um, and that's that's really difficult. Had nine touchdowns on the year. That If that touchdown, he had caught that, it would have tied his career high for touchdowns with 10. Marvin Jones is playing still at a high, high level. And he's somebody I think that the Lions really... You know, you're, you're smarter, frankly, to... I think... You know, it's a tough call because Kenny Galladay is younger. Kenny Galladay has more upside. But Marvin Jones has been as reliable, I think. Marvin Jones has been consistent when he needs to be. Marvin Jones has a great rapport with Stafford. So if you're keeping Stafford, so does Galladay. But I don't know. Marvin Jones is also going to cost you less money than Kenny Galladay. So let's just say for argument's sake. Just, again, one of these many hypotheticals that are going to happen. The Lions say, all right, we're going to keep Stafford. We're going to we're gonna roll with the two years on his contract. At least this year we're not going to draft a quarterback. And we're going to take Devontae Smith if he's still sitting there at number six or number seven or, or Jamar Chase. Whichever of those two is left on offense, going to take one of them at six or seven if you don't take Micah Parsons. Like, let's just say, so Smith, the obviously dynamic receiver from Alabama, Chase, the incredible receiver from LSU. So let's just say they take one of those two guys. They pair him with Marvin Jones and whatever slot guy they're able to bring in in free agency that will not be Danny Amendola, or maybe they think Jamal Agnew can give them enough, or maybe Cephas goes out and plays the slot. Or maybe you put, you know, maybe you put Smith or Chase in the slot. One of, one of those options. 
Like, is that receiving core that terrible? I don't know. I, I think Quintus Cephas has some real potential if he actually gets some time. And if you if you invest in that receiver early, I think you've got a shot. Now, you don't need to take a receiver in the first round. Receiver classes are deep. I actually asked Daryl Bevel about this, but you can find good receivers in the second round and the third round. So if you hit on the right receiver, all of a sudden maybe losing Kenny Galladay isn't the worst thing in the world. Now, I would personally try to tag and trade Galladay. That would be if you were asking me what I want to do, I would try and tag and trade him if I thought there was a market for him. But the risk there is if you tag and try to trade him, if you can't find a trade partner, then you're stuck with his salary for the year. Now, you're still stuck with a salary that's a really good player, uh, and you're kicking kind of the can down the road on maybe a compensatory pick, or maybe then you try and trade him at the deadline when someone really needs a receiver for if you're not a contender at that point. So I don't know. It's it's a tough question. I mean, I wouldn't sign Marvin Jones to a long-term deal. I would sign him to a two- or a three-year deal if he'd be willing to do it. But, you know, who knows if that's going to happen. I think much like Adrian Peterson talked about earlier this week, and probably much like Matthew Stafford and some other vets want to see, I think at least the offensive players, they want to make sure they're not signing on to a rebuild if they're vets. Because if they are, they know that by the time this thing gets right, they're done. They're out of here, career over. So that's going to be another thing I think that plays into Marvin Jones's decision is does he think the Lions can get to the point where they can be a consistent winner? And a lot of that's going to depend on the head coach and what they do defensively. Like all of these decisions, it's they're all kind of circular in some ways, right? They all start with what they do with Matthew Stafford because that will signal how much of a rebuild I think they think that this will be. Then once you do that, you kind of figure out, okay, well, what, what, how do you handle Kenny Galladay? And, and then at that point, once you know that, then you're kind of figuring out, okay, what type of pieces do I need to maybe try and get in free agency on defense if I can? What pieces do I need to really focus on in the draft? Going to have a top you know, six or seven pick here to get potentially an elite defensive player. Again, Micah Parsons, a guy that, that really offers – a lot at a position that of major need for the Lions because they might only have one linebacker return, depending on what the new regime thinks of Jelani Tavai. Right now, Jamie Collins is the only one that's really kind of prohibitively on the roster for sure based off of the money that he's going to be owed next year. There are a lot of holes on this roster. There really are. And, you know, we went through the roster a little bit last week, but you at every position – there is some sort of hole or some sort of question mark. There's not a single one other than punter that you can sit there and can be absolutely certain that you know what that's going to look like. Even if it's, you know, the backup tight end behind TJ Hawkinson to two of the starters on the, or one to two of the starters on the offensive line, defensive line, linebacker, secondary, all in flux. Kicker and log snapper in flux. Quarterback, who knows what's going to happen. Running back, you've got DeAndre Swift. What happens behind him? That's just what the Lions are looking at. And it's going to take time to fix. And I think you could see it even in this game that didn't mean much on Sunday. At least in the grand scheme of things. Even though it means a lot for the players. Because again, this could have been Dal Muehlbach's last game in Detroit. This could have been Matt Prater's last game in Detroit. Matt Prater, by the way, setting a record 
on Sunday for most field goals of 50 yards or more in NFL history, beating Sebastian Janikowski. And he also won the city of Detroit free beer. Like he won them all a free beer. That's pretty awesome. Good job, Matt Prater, by the way. In a season where the Lions didn't win much for their fans, Matt Prater at least came through on his end of the bargain, won the Lions a free beer. Not too bad, Matt Prater. But you look at all of these things and you just, I don't know where you start. And I'm going to write a lot. Obviously, the podcast won't be around at this point, but I'll write a lot about this. We're going to talk about it a little bit more tomorrow with Dave Burkett. He's scheduled as of now to be our last ever guest on this program. And he was supposed to be our first ever guest. We actually recorded that show and the engineering quality on it was so bad that we couldn't publish it or put it out there. So it ended up being, I think, my fifth or sixth guest, something like that. And uh, instead of guest number one, but... He's obviously going to be our last guest. We're going to get into all of this tomorrow. And then the last episode on Wednesday is going to be all about you, the listener. And I've been so touched by the responses from all of you, whether people are asking how they can save the show or what happened or making sure that I'm still going to be in town covering the Lions, which as that's my plan and still covering them for ESPN and all that stuff. Um, so feel free, by the way, if you have any questions at all, any questions you want to ask, Shoot them my way on Twitter, on Instagram, or on Facebook, uh, and I will get to as many of them as I possibly, possibly can. I will, you know, empty out the library, even if it means a two-hour-long episode uh, for Wednesday's show uh, to make sure that we hit all of it. And I have some other stuff I want to talk about on that show as well. It'll be a, it'll be a long one, but hey, it's the last one, right? So the Lions season ends. They're picking sixth they or seventh. Don't know what their future is going to be in any stretch of the imagination. Today is when the fun part starts. You'll start to hear more uh, requests for interviews. Maybe some people getting interviewed since it's over Zoom. Then they'll get scheduled. And then who knows when we'll see movement. Could be the end of this week. Could be next week. Might depend, too, on the candidates and if their teams have playoff are in the playoffs, especially with head coaches. So all of that we have to look forward to want to leave you with one other thing, which is this. It is the Detroit Lions schedule for next year. And let's really all hope. I mean, I am hoping that at the very least, we're able to all be traveling next year. We're able to go on the road. We're able to do all of this, both as media, as fans. Maybe they open locker rooms back again and we get back to what normal was, even though I don't know if it's ever going to be quite as normal again. I think normal will change. I'm hoping that at least the type of storytelling I like to do that y'all have heard that would have changed some of the podcast stuff we did this year uh, as well. All of that might be different. So here are the opponents for 2021. At home in Ford Field, the Lions will face the Packers, the Vikings, the Bears, the Cardinals in what is becoming a yearly showdown in one place or another, the 49ers, the Ravens, the Bengals, and the Eagles. So Darius Slay, if he's still on the Eagles next year, will be coming back to Detroit. That one will be one I'll really want to watch. Road games. They go to Green Bay, Minnesota, and Chicago. They go to Pittsburgh. They go to Seattle. They go to the Rams, the Browns, and the Falcons. This is not potentially an easy schedule. As we all know, things change dramatically from one year to the next in the NFL. So tough to really gauge all of that. But just off of the cuff, just off of looking at this, think of the quarterbacks that they are facing and the mobile quarterbacks potentially they are facing. 
They are facing Kyler Murray. They are facing Lamar Jackson. They are facing Jalen Hurts. They are facing Russell Wilson. They are facing Baker Mayfield. Joe Burrow, if he's healthy. Like, I mean, Joe Burrow is obviously not the mobilist of quarterbacks. But then you've got Aaron Rodgers twice on the schedule. You've got Lions killer Mitchell Trubisky twice on the schedule. Potentially, if Trubisky's still there. Who knows what it's going to look like in Atlanta. But, you know, Matt Ryan may be still there. Maybe they draft a quarterback. Who knows? Um, Don't know what the quarterback situation is going to be in San Francisco. Just... Another food for thought thing here, right? Of the teams on their schedule, San Francisco is one that's super intriguing to me for another reason. Going back to what we had talked about before with Matthew Stafford. If this is Matthew Stafford's last game in Detroit, there is an entire possibility to me. And if you remember a couple weeks ago, Nick Wagoner was on the show. He's the... San Francisco 49ers beat writer for ESPN. And we talked a little bit about Matthew Stafford and what it might take to get Matthew Stafford to San Francisco because the Niners really look like they are a team that is, oh, I don't know, a quarterback away from being dominant. You look at the defense that they have, even despite all the injuries, you look at the weapons they have at running back, at receiver. You know, it it all depends on Jimmy Garoppolo in a lot of ways. But if they want to, if they think they can get Matthew Stafford and Matthew Stafford's an upgrade over Jimmy G, then all of a sudden that game, frankly, that Niners Lions game, that game could be a prime time situation. Matthew Stafford coming back to Detroit with San Francisco. Heck, there there would be a chance that that could be your opening game of the year if that were a scenario were to happen. Now, obviously, we're putting about fourteen carts in front of this horse, but. Just something to think about here as we enter this real, really weird, unexpected, wild, not knowing what's going to happen offseason. I want to thank you all for sticking with us. As I mentioned, you can follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at Mike Rothstein, on Facebook at Michael Rothstein Journalist. We've got two shows to go after this one. Have Dave Burkett of the Detroit Free Press on tomorrow's program. We'll have a big mailbag edition that's for you, the listeners, the people I'm so grateful for on our final episode on Wednesday. Feels weird that this is the last week of the show. Feel kind of sad and bittersweet about it already. And uh, I'm sure I'll talk a lot more about that on Wednesday. But I want to thank you all for listening. And uh, thank you all for sticking with me this entire season, this entire offseason. We literally did a podcast every day, Monday through Friday, this entire football season. That's a lot of episodes. Wednesday's episode will be episode 200 of this show in about a year and change. And uh, I'm so grateful for all of you for coming along the way. So with that, we will talk with you tomorrow.